everybody. This is Maria Pesson. I am the founder of For Women Over 50, a group of women who are looking to make their next act their best act. And at this podcast today, we will be interviewing Sandy Nason, a woman who has overcome many challenges and has managed to make a life that is full, exciting, and vibrant. So, Sandy, it's great to have you here. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. Well, thank you, Maria. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's um, going to be fun to, uh, to chat with you about this. That's great. So, Sandy, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? I am, um, first of all, I'm, a, I'm, I'm 73, so I guess I have to go back quite a distance in order to <laughs> relate my history. But um, I'm basically a, uh, a, a foreign service brat growing up uh, in most of Latin America uh, with my father who was moving from country to country. And uh, yes, I was, I was born, actually I was born in Cuba, have a lot of, had a lot of family there. Everybody left, of course, uh, before the revolution, not after the revolution. But um, moving around was, was interesting because it's, uh, that in itself is a, an education. My life was always um, getting to know a new culture with the same language, uh, but very different um, every like every three years was a was a was a different place to live and uh, so that that made life challenging uh, at 18 I went to school in the United States and uh, went to college and that that was culture shock for me and uh, was that during the 60s that yes it was well, it must it was have been good. culture shock in more ways than one it was huge culture shock. I, um, yes, uh, being, I, and I've always, I guess as a result, I've always felt sort of like an outsider looking in because I really, even though I felt as though I was an American in another country, um, there's a certain aura about uh, what you think your country's like and then and then you you know you come and live with it, and you don't live with the realities of the of the culture that you're supposed to be from. It's hard to uh, explain that, but um, we are called actually there's a name for it. So we're called third culture kids, and yeah, it's it's an it's if you want to look look that up, it it in itself it's it's a very uh, interesting phenomenon. And uh, so my brother and I traveled around, and both of us are basically third culture kids and and the way we approach life and people and um how many languages do you speak i speak two languages fluently uh and then i have an understanding of uh portuguese and french and others that i have come into contact with um my brother on the other, other hand speaks three fluently uh, because he still goes back and forth to Brazil all the time. So we are very used to being in a sort of a multicultural society, which we love. And so, and as far as the rest of the background, um, 
my mother died when I was 13, uh, and, uh, and then we, we moved to uh, Panama, which was a very, very difficult time for me because I was, you know, in the midst of my teenage years. And, and you didn't have your mother there to support you or really any other family member. No, my, my whole world just totally disintegrated and changed a lot because uh, before, before my mother died, I was a very serious student. Uh, I loved school, I uh, loved learning. Um, and I had the ambition of being a doctor. And in those days, if you'll remember in the 1960s, I mean, women just didn't do that. Oh, I totally remember. <laughs> I'm 63, so I'm 10 years yeah. younger than you. But trust me, when I was going out to look for work, there were male and female wanted. Exactly, exactly, right. And, uh, and in the South where I was living, black and white. You're kidding. No, I'm not. I kidding. never heard that before. Yes, yes. And you, you, it, it was, you know, for, uh, that was the other thing that I, I was so taken aback by because I had heard about, you know, the, the racism in the South particularly, but I'd never seen it. And uh, it was, it was that, a, I thought, you know, why, why, why is this? <laughs> you know, it's really funny because I, we both lived through the 60s when um, there was all the racial tension and, and things started to change for black people. And yeah. um, by the mid 70s, I figured I had never personally seen racism. So mm -hmm. I came across it in a personal situation. And I remember feeling shocked that people felt that way. I thought people feel that way now and they still feel that way now. Forget and they still feel that way now. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy, but I'm like you, I found it like really odd. Yeah, it, it was just didn't make any sense, especially having grown up in countries where uh, skin color was not that much of an issue. Sure. And, uh, and it just um, it was rather shocking. And I, I um, got married early. I was actually, I got pregnant at 19 and got married at my first child at 20. And I was living in uh, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one point at which my then husband and I were driving from New Orleans to uh, Monroe, Louisiana, where he, where his family lived, and we stopped to get a, um, you know, remember those? The what were they? Dairy Queen. Oh yes, it's still around. Dairy Queens, which were all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And the Dairy Queen had a black counter and a white counter. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, we were really into the whole civil rights thing. So my husband went up to the black counter and said, you know, I want two ice creams. <laughs> Would they he refused to serve us. That's so wild. Unless we went over to the white counter. So he said, my husband said, well, in that case, you just lost a sale. Came <laughs> back to the car. We knew exactly what we were doing, Good but um, you know, it was our own little protest. 
but uh, it wasn't going to change things. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty fascinating. But I, um, you know, went on and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's funny because that marriage did not last very long. I had a, we moved to New York and uh, I had another child. And then I was divorced shortly after that. He joined a big law firm. Uh, he became partner and I divorced him before <laughs> I got the money. Oh, <laughs> so, oh well. <laughs> that wasn't too smart. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> but it happened. And uh, then I moved to, to Gainesville and then to Miami. Wow, you continued to move around a lot. A lot. And uh, then lived in Miami for actually 40 years uh, total. And I um, got married, uh, was married for about 28 years, got divorced. Uh, now I'm married again and I'm living in Gainesville, Florida. So that's sort of the, the short version. Did you have any more children? I, I did. I had, I had another child who is now living in, um, in Brooklyn. New York. Mm -hmm. um, it's where I was born and raised. Where you were born and raised, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she loves it. She loves it. So it's got a real hold on her. She, uh, she I don't think she'll ever leave. But uh, in the, in the, in the meantime, uh, the, a lot of things, a lot of things happened. Uh, I, um, I lost my son in an automobile accident when he was 22 so I, so horrible. it was pretty pretty devastating and uh at that and then i did have my other two girls so my biggest concern when that happened this was 1990 was getting them through their years because this happened in september and um my older daughter was going to be graduating from high school and I, I needed to make sure that got completed. And the poor girls have, I think, as a result, suffered a lot. Um, I see what's happened to them and I see what, what the loss of their brother did to them uh, as well as me. And uh, it's, it's, people just don't realize how how devastating it is to the rest of the family. Um, so went went through that, and I think that was after that the marriage wasn't really going to stand up to it because I went into a depression, and then I uh, was taking antidepressants for a very long time, and then when I wanted to stop taking them. Um, he got scared and didn't want me to stop. Are you kidding? No, because it, it, it controlled me. So um, then I was no longer controlled. I mean, you know, when you stop taking them, you start feeling life again in a way that, I mean, you do need them for a certain amount of time and they, and they, 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 they help a lot, but, I think when your body or when your mind just says, you know, I don't need this anymore, um, then it's, 
then it's time to stop mm -hmm. unless 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 for some reason you need them long term which some people do so anyway that that happened and um i had to uh to move on mm -hmm. so I guess um, I guess I'm a survivor. <laughs> Sounds like it. And I divorces are pretty traumatic as well as death. It's um, yeah, the divorces were traumatic. The 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 death was traumatic. My my younger daughter also had a lot of a lot of death in her life. Uh, she had close friends that died in freaky accidents and. Um, I, I, I don't know why one person needs to go through as much as she did, but she did. And so, you know, helping her through that was a challenge. And, um, and then helping my daughter, my older daughter through her first year in college was also a challenge. So I spent a lot of time, um, worrying about other people's well-being mm -hmm. well i think we do that as women in general i think we do i think we do i think that's that's pretty much our job at that at that particular time and and it was fine i mean i that's where i focused on and uh i um went back to school uh at one point because i hadn't finished my degree when I'd gotten pregnant and gotten married the first time. <laughs> so you, you can't do anything anymore in those days once you were pregnant. You weren't even right. expected to work. You were expected to stay home with yeah. your husband. Yeah. And uh, actually, I, re I remember when my, my ex-husband was in law school and um, I, I needed, needed to work and I had a, a small son. And uh, when I did apply for work, I went to work for the telephone company. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I was asked was, do you have adequate child, support, child care? And they weren't gonna hire me unless I could prove that I had somebody who could take care of my son during the day. That's wild. Yeah, so I, people don't realize those were the days we lived in as women. I had a friend who lost, she had a big job. Um, she was running a company and she was doing a very good job of it. And the day she went on maternity leave, they let her go. And she said, but why? I, I mean, I did such a good job. I don't understand. He said, well, you should stay home with your child. That's exactly right. That's exactly, that happened a lot. Yeah. Unfortunately, it wasn't that long ago and she sued him and won. Really? Yeah, it was in the um, late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, late '80s. Yeah, at that at that point, yeah, you things could. started to change. In the '80s, things were starting to change. Things were starting to change. Yeah, but you still had to fight for everything you got. Oh yeah, even now they're and even they now. don't like to hire old women. No, no, not at all. Which no. is a lot. I think you know. Thinking back on when I moved uh, to Gainesville. I had, you know, had been living in Miami, and I had. Um, Miami's a very vibrant place, and and there's, as you know, a lot of very, a lot of there's a, there's a youth culture there, mm 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I dyed my hair. And so I moved here and I turned, turned 70. And I thought, why, why am I dyeing my hair? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So I stopped. Mm-hmm. And I let it grow out, and it's 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 more white than gray. So it probably looks fabulous. And I I like it. Uh, I'm very happy with it. I I wear it short, and uh, but I also knew that I was putting myself into a category. Mm-hmm. And living living in a college town, it's not a bad place to be. I mean, there are a lot of older people here and a lot of them are a little more enlightened. They're university connected or um, it's just a more laid back city, but I never could have gotten away with it in Miami. Not if I wanted to work or have a business or be taken as something other than an old lady. Right. And no, and, and just the words old lady makes you sound irrelevant. It does. The wording. I mean, I even hate the word senior citizen. We have to come up with a new phrase for us. Yes, we really do. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, what, what's the definition of old? And it does keep changing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I frankly, the people that I know that women that I know that are over 70 um, are generally pretty vibrant and they're leading pretty terrific lives. And I, um, I, I don't see them as, as, as old. And, but then what do I call old? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. So we need to have, we need to have new definitions for what it means to be older. And, you know, that's part of changing the mindset of ourselves and the people out there, because we are one of the largest growing groups of people out there, the largest demographic. And if we look at us as a group and how we can change the world together and make people look at us differently, because we aren't what our grandmothers were. You know, our grandmothers were old ladies. They allow, you know, they were, their husbands died, they never got married again. You know, they, my grandmother, if I look at my grandmother at my age compared to what I look like now, I mean, she never wore a pair of pants. She didn't own a pair of pants. I mean, it was just a whole different way of being. And, you know, nowadays, women our age are doing some really fabulous things. That's what this podcast is about, to show people and women like ourselves what's possible for women our age that you don't have to be on the downward spiral that you can reinvent yourself and have a really vibrant life and you're an example of that because you've overcome some serious challenges in your life and you live to tell the tale and you lived and you're still living a great life so tell me what approach did you take to overcome these challenges? How did you handle it? I mean, I know at first you're very depressed and it's just, you know, you're not handling it, but that's part of the process. 
Well, that's that. Yes, yes, that's part of the process, and I and I I I did. I was not surprised uh, that I went through that, um, but I also. I don't know. I just also felt like I had a long life ahead of me. I have a long lived family. Everybody's lived till well in the in their nineties. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, I'm assuming I will too. Sure. So I'm going to have to stay healthy and I'm going to have to stay sane and I'm going to have to move on and I'm going to have to have different chapters of my life because I'm not going to just decide to that my life is over because it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think that's that's part of the mindset. Um, a lot of it is that I just I'm intellectually curious, so I I want I want I I don't feel like there's enough hours in the day to do what I want to do. There's not enough time in the week. I want to read books, I want to travel, I want to have a business, I want to learn. Uh, I want to learn to be better at what I do. I want to learn about other people. I, you know, I, it, it's, it's simply wanting, wanting a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a huge bucket list. And I feel like, okay, if I get through part of it, that's great. It's it's awfully long. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So you really wrote a bucket list. I always think about doing that. Yeah, I I don't think about it as a bucket list so much as I think, oh, I haven't done this. Oh, I haven't done that. Oh, gee, yeah, I I wanted to do that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so um, there's still a lot of countries I'd love to visit, uh, places I'd like to go. uh, you know, things I'd like to do. Um, like I said, books I'd like to read. Uh, it, it's just, um, there's always something. Sure. There's always something. And I can't imagine uh, not, not having something that I want to pick up and do. And uh, so I, 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 I guess sometimes I feel like I'm just not organized enough because I I can't uh, find the time to do all the things I want to do. Well, the fact is you must have a very busy day. I do. Because you're doing so much in a day. I do. I do. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I, it, it's, it's fun. It's not, it, it's not a desire to keep busy. It's a desire to, to, to to learn and to do other things, to do new new things. I like new. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't know about you, but I'm one of these people who's an early adopter kind, uh, sure. pretty much an early adopter. Mm-hmm. So when the first iPhone came out, I had to have one. Uh, when the iWatch came around, I had to have one. Oh yeah, I'm not like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on, my I'm on my third one now and <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um th- things like that i i enjoy um figuring out how to use a computer program uh, mm-hmm. figuring out how to make something work um i'm the one in the family who who uh who fixes you know the printer or the computer um, me too 
um, which is kind of funny because my kids think I'm very inept, but because, you know, I'm old, like, how could I know things? Exactly. They do think. And you're that. old, you know, you didn't, I don't know where they think I was when all these things happened, but they think I don't know anything. But when something goes wrong, I'm the first person they come to. The printer's not working, the phone's not working, the computer's yeah. not working, and they come to me. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, we, I have the same thing. No, I have uh, our kids, especially my husband's kids, and they are very used to technology. And there are times when I've needed their help, mm -hmm. um, and and that's fine. But um, but they do treat us sometimes like like you know we're clueless. Yeah, we're clueless. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let me ask you um, about your business. So you started a business somewhat recently, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, I, one of the things that, uh, another disaster that happened to us is that um, we, when we were in Miami, uh, my husband had a successful business as a, as a, as a recruiter and uh, it was his own business. And so we ran the business and then the, then the depression hit. And we thought we were going to be- About 2008? That was 2008. Okay. So we got through the, the years because we decided to go ahead and, and upgrade some of our systems in order to come out of it, you know, ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. But- it took its toll, and in 2017, we ended up having to declare bankruptcy. Oh, that's so sad. So that's one of the reasons we moved to Gainesville, because it's a less expensive place to live. But um, as a result, here we found ourselves in a position where, once again, who's going to hire us? And how are we going to uh, survive? Um, outside of the social security checks that we get, mm -hmm. thank goodness. And uh, so we're both um, we're both still working. My husband is still doing some consulting and recruiting, and uh, and I started a business. And uh, at first, I got into skincare, and I'm still doing that. And I also got into uh, Color Street Nails, and that happened as a result of the pandemic, mm -hmm. because um, I had worn acrylic nails for literally 40 years, and in Miami, that was a great thing, and, you know, I went every two weeks and got my nails done, and my hair died. <laughs> no, not every two weeks, but, um, and then, I uh, came here and it wasn't quite so easy. And then that when after the, I think it was in March when I realized, uh oh, I'm not going to be able to get my nails done at all. And well, okay, let's let them grow out. So I let everything grow out. And then I thought, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not big on painting them. So I, found out about these nail strips and I, I found somebody who sold them and I bought some. 
And lo and behold, not only did I really like them, but they stayed on. So I, uh, I just, like as though you had a manicure. That it look, yeah, it looks like you have a, a, a great manicure. I mean, it's, it's they're, they're, they're really neat. And, and they're, they, you put them on and, and they're essentially dry. And uh, although you shouldn't use them for about 30 minutes or so. But anyway, um, so then I decided, well, why not make that a business? Because to me, I looked at the company and I thought, you know, this is really an up and coming thing. And uh, not only that, but it, it, it just seemed to solve a lot of problems. And uh, so anyway, that's what I'm doing now. Uh, and, so, and it's so- in a way, that's a great business at this time because it solves a problem in a pandemic situation. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the problems that have been sort of quote solved in the pandemic are, are not going to go back. In other words, I think people are going to continue to a certain point working from home. I think uh, businesses right. have realized that their resistance to having people telecommute uh, was really a little ridiculous. Now that we've got the technology to allow people to work from most anywhere, um, it's uh, it's going to be a little difficult to go back to the way it was uh, after after this is quote over. And yeah, I don't. Funny you say that. I've been working from home now for the last seven years because I started a consulting business. Right. And the thought of going back to commuting to Manhattan is like awful. yeah, so like unbelievably awful. And having to be at a desk at nine o'clock if let's say I had a bad night's sleep, I need an extra hour, I can do that. You can do that. I did that exactly. today because I slept so poorly the other two days. This day I slept eight and a half hours and I slept overslept. And yeah. that's the great thing. I could do that, you know, stuff like that. So it's a one, so I agree with you. You know, people are yeah. seeing the benefits of working from home. And let's face it, it's a lot less stressful. It's a lot less stressful and it takes into account a lot of, I think it allows us to work longer and more efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, I had, within the last 18 months, I've had two, two partial knee surgeries. So um, I was able to work during then, no mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. I simply uh, recuperated with my laptop on my lap and Everything was fine. About, I had why, why you call it a laptop? <laughs> yeah, and you just keep working, so it's it's totally great. Yeah. So basically, you took a challenging time and you looked at the opportunity and the challenge. Yes. You did something and you started a new business. So how's it going? It's it's taking its time to get off the ground, but it's That's it's going. Wrong. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes time for any business to, especially when you're living in a new place. But there are opportunities. And um, for example, I, I, um, I have signed up to go um, be, be a poll watcher over at the Rights Union where, and that means nothing, but um, it's, it's where students go and vote. Okay. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, let me go over there for a few hours and uh, pass out leaflets and watch things. Um, 
then maybe I can meet some students that might like some nails. <laughs> you know? Sure. You just got to be creative. Are you, are you doing a lot on the internet? Yes, I'm doing a lot on the internet. And that, and that I'm, I'm learning how to do. I've, um, I've, uh, I'm working with a, with a mentor, with a coach who is, uh, works with a lot of people who do uh, pretty much what I do. And she's, she's great. And uh, I've learned a lot from her. I, I knew that I needed someone to guide me through some of the marketing issues. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I, I do that and everything's on Zoom, which is great. And um, so I'm able to learn to do a lot of the internet marketing um, that, you know, that will be helpful. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's been an interesting challenge and I've had fun with it because I like the creativity of it. And it's, um, you know, you never stop learning. You never stop learning. So we're going to be winding this up a little in a few minutes. So I just want to ask you, um, what's the best thing you discovered about being a woman over 50? I have, more knowledge about the world and about life and about people. And I think that's extremely valuable. Uh, I feel like I have a lot more confidence that's been built up. And I, I, think, I think being past 50, you just feel more comfortable in your skin. Yes. And, uh, and then I'd say the other thing, the other thing is the sense of freedom. I'm not, not tied into the definition of, uh, of other people's definition about what I should and shouldn't be as a woman. Mm. And I, um, I like that. I just, I feel more, I just, I, I guess I just feel more comfortable. And I think that's one of the things that, I mean, I had heard that happens to you after 50 and I, um, didn't really see how, I mean, I, it's a mindset that I couldn't quite grasp. But then when it happened to me, I thought, oh, well, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a byproduct of, you know, all of your experiences that you don't expect. But when it comes, it's just such a wonderful thing. Because I remember always being so insecure in my younger years, you yeah. know, feeling like I, you know, wasn't good enough or smart enough or whatever. I wasn't enough. And, you know, that goes away because you really stop caring about what other people think. Um, there's this old adage of when you're in your 20s, you care about what everyone thinks about you. In your 40s, you don't care what anyone thinks about you. And in your 60s, you realize no one was thinking about you. <laughs> And you never heard that one? That, well, it kind of reminds me of something that my father, the diplomat, told me years and years ago when I was quite young. And uh, I would, I, there, you know, there were times when I would have to meet, up, meet people in sort of delicate situations and all that sort of thing. And um, so he said to me, look, Sandy, he said, when you talk to people, you have to realize uh, that they care more about themselves than they do about you. 
and they're more interested in talking about themselves than they are about you. So remember that. Yeah, it's very true. And it's true. Uh, and then you get back into you know the marketing. So people people want to know what's in it for them. People are not really interested in what's in it for you. That's uh, very true. And uh, and yeah, it kind of goes along with that, doesn't it? Sure. Something I've that's the piece. That's just something I've never forgotten. That's a good lesson. So. Yeah. If you had to say you had three superpowers that you have now that you didn't have in your 20s, what would they be? Well, I think it goes back to what you asked me before, knowledge, confidence, and freedom. Perfect. Those are the superpowers. I love it. Mm -hmm. Sandy, so tell us um, if somebody wanted to find you and find out about your nail um, business, what, where would they go? Um, if you go to, well, I have a couple of Facebook sites that I, I use most of my, most of the, I had to choose a platform to, to work with. And so it has been Facebook and generally you can find me, um, actually under Sandy Nason. Um, and then the other thing is either one of the websites for color street, you would just have to look for. Sandy Nason. Okay, it's, so which website would you prefer that they use? Which Facebook group? Sandy Nason? Yes. Okay, so spell it for, for our audience. S-A-N-D-Y, and I'm just my name, N as in Nancy, A-S-O-N. That's great. Well, thank you so, so much for being part of this podcast. I really enjoyed having you and I really enjoyed learning more about you and what thank you, Maria. Really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And um, sure, uh, I'm, I'm very interested in, in talking to other women if they're at all um, wanting to know what to do with the rest of their lives. That's great. Well, thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.